0: The king sat on a stool in front of the fire and bowed his head. "'Ula, goddess of the hearth and healing, tell me what I can offer to save my wife,' he whispered. Emenia had slipped away again, so it was just the king and I alone in front of the small fire as it hissed and popped. It was mostly coals, their red glow only bright enough to make everything around them seem that much darker. "'Jenny!' It was no goddess in the fire answering the king's prayer. It was the voice of a woman, one who doted on him, but he didn't seem to hear. Jenny, she called again, but he didn't lift his head, and she was already disappearing. Earrings, she called as she faded away. Ulla is tired of grain and bread and cakes of corn.
1: There's no problem too big for mom to solve, right?
0: Welcome back, indolent war horses. I'm Noelle, and I'm Caitlin, and this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. Today, we are discussing Chapter Seven of Return of the Thief. Opening quote: Confirmation that ghosts
1: exist. Yeah. Well, just by the way, <laughs> ghosts, and they keep up with the mortal world. They're in the know. What's so interesting about that scene is that Jen doesn't quite hear it, but Ferris does. Yeah. Ferris has some sort of mainline to the supernatural that other people just don't, even though Jen is previously the person who had the most supernatural connections. Yeah. Which he maybe still does, but so it's interesting that Ferris is... Ferris is the new queen bee (laughs) with the gods. (laughs) The new favorite.
0: (laughs) And, like, it creates a situation where Jen is relying on Ferris. Mm-hmm. He needs Ferris's understanding. And he needs to communicate with Ferris in order to make this happen. Which is that this, this goddess wants some earrings so that <laughs> Irene won't die. Exactly what I want my life and death situation to hinge on <laughs> is and whether or not I lost one earring out of a pair. <laughs> I would be dead. I would be- <laughs>
1: yeah, we'd all be dead. And then he and Ferris never talk about this again. He, nope. never, he never asks Ferris, like, oh, what else did you hear other than earrings? <laughs> um, also, there's nothing else in this book specifically that says it's his mom. But for anyone who, who didn't see this before, um, before the book came out, uh, I think this was in an interview or maybe an article. I feel like maybe it was a video, but someone was interviewing Megan, Will, and Turner and asked... Uh, like can you can you tell us three things about what's coming up in the book? And I think one of them was elephants, and I don't remember yeah, what the other was one was. Yeah, it was always elephants. Yeah, and then the last one was Jen receives a message from his mother. Yeah. So that's what that is. But there's nothing in in the in the book other than that one paragraph about it.
0: And I guess Jen doesn't want to. He doesn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, Jen doesn't want to look any horse <laughs> in any part. But he uh, he, he just kind of. Jen's kind of relationship with religion and the supernatural is that he accepts everything. Yeah. And when he does, I mean, when he has questioned it, it has not really worked <laughs> out well for yeah. him. maybe learn not to do that. <laughs> and this is such a cool chapter because it's that full overlap with the end of Thick as Thieves. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing the other side of those scenes
1: yeah I was really glad uh that we did get the other half of this, yeah, even though the miscarriage scene still isn't from Olia's point of view, I know, and it's not it's not focused on her, it's focused on the king's anguish about what's happening to her, kind of you know, and Ferris obviously because Ferris is the narrator, and he's who we're
0: we're here with. I wish that we understood more about her point of view in general mm. and in this book. We do get that scene in Thickest Thieves
1: with her about this.
0: Yes. So at least there's something. And we finally learn why (laughs) Talaeus put them in jail. It was unclear instructions. (laughs) And when you have unclear instructions, that's just what you do. Yeah, that's your default, right? Jen is a little distracted, and he just says, keep them safe. So he shows up with war galleys (laughs) and throws them in the dungeon. Uh, Protective custody, duh. (laughs) This is the first indication in the book that Atolia was pregnant yeah. at all, and that's because Ferris, as the narrator, did
1: not know she was pregnant because he's a child and doesn't understand that. Luria asks him, "Do you do you understand what's happening? Do you know what's going on?" And he says, "No." Yeah. And she says, "The queen was going to have a baby. She lost the baby, and now she's very ill." And in Book Thieves, we learn that, um, like the the pregnancy was far enough along that the baby's sex was talked about and known. Yeah. So, she must have been showing. Yeah. So, Ferris was too young to make that connection.
0: Yeah. And, like, even though like, not only do we not get her perspective of this scene, we don't even see the inside of the room. Right. Like, we were, we were we very far anymore. away from it in Thicasse's, but now we're still like, we're on the other side of the door, and so we just everything that we quote-unquote see is attendants going in and out, like, with bloody cloths
1: yeah and i think it's it says in there like oh the queen cried out yeah yeah but that jen wasn't in the room because according to ferris he could no more help his queen than i could jump up and fly and the room that the two of them are waiting in is paneled with black painted wood with gold leaf and pictures of manly virtue reminding me that these were a king's apartments once
0: before the Queen occupied them. The gender of it all mm. And right before this happens, Jen is practicing how to ride a war horse and how to fight from horseback while Atolia is sitting and doing needlework and mm-hmm. watching. But of course he's not quite succeeding at being a, a kingly <laughs> rider. He's not a bad rider despite rumors to the contrary it says but his his horse is it's the horse that sophos gave him Mm -hmm. uh does not want to jump doesn't want to get into a scary situation and it keeps stopping short and throwing him and i like that he sticks the landing one time like a gymnast and
1: i like that they keep the throw him horse yeah you know like they just don't (laughs) decide to get another horse they're just like you know what we're just going to turn this into a battle skill. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just roll with it. And the queen laughs in that scene. Mm-hmm. Big character development. Ferris gets to take a ride on the horse. After people forget him. Yeah. See what I'm saying about nobody raising this kid
0: they brought into the palace to be raised? It's an interesting contrast between the way that we think of the Aetolian Palace as this place of like hyper-surveillance and people are always around, and the amount that Ferris is kind of unsupervised a lot of the time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, he puts a lot of emphasis on how invisible he can be sometimes. Yeah. Beneath notice. And, you know, part of that is calculated on his part. Like, he knows what he has to do to make people
0: look away from him. Mm -hmm. But also, part of it's not. And he becomes more visible over the course of this chapter. Like, he has this thing where he just gets left behind because it's this crisis and everyone forgets him. Then he has this fight with Zikander where Zikander tries to blame him for the queen's miscarriage, and says, your hideous face has cursed our queen. And Ferris just loses it and attacks him, bites him. And it was the
1: stable master's kindness that makes him realize he's worth standing up for and he can
0: stand up for himself. And, oh, there's a a sentence that's so important that it is repeated, which is, they mistake being beautiful for being good. If not for the kindness of the stable master, I would have backed away. No one else was going to defend me. Definitely an important idea.
1: Mm-hmm. When Ferris
0: is uh going to get
1: the earrings, he knows that um he needs to go get earrings that have some personal significance for Jen. He can't just get some random pair. So he goes back to Jen's apartments, and he narrates, A small plain box held his personal things. An emerald signet ring with a carving of a dolphin on its face, a few pins, and other jewelry. It just called me back to Queen of Otolia that you know he's king of this whole country and he's surrounded by opulence and everything he could ever possibly need you know he got those million birthday presents golden pomegranates and swords and whatever and yet his box of personal items is small and plain and fits on his desk just part of his old life we can assume Mm, yeah you know which is like
0: oh and everyone lets ferris do this like this is right after the candor, uh, threw almonds at him and said, oh, your hideous face has cursed our queen. And then Ferris goes to do this. And like, everyone just seems to know that he's on a mission, right? Mm-hmm. That he's doing something for the king. And then uh, after that, Ferris, like, uh, after this whole thing with uh, Atolia, he gets greeted, like, in passageways by people. Mm-hmm. And he has this kind of uh, new visibility in this new kind of social position.
1: Yeah, and Hilarion is noticeably kind to him right after. Yeah. Um, and also, before this, right after Zikander hits him, Luria is what interrupts that fi- is who Luria is who interrupts that fight, and she's actually on Ferris's side, one of the Queen's attendants. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, she's his grown men. Like. Yeah.
1: And she's the one who has the guards let Ferris out to go get the earrings and whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. I like this very short conversation that Jan and Atolia have about Teleus and the whole Acostus and Kamet thing, where Jan is saying, I only wish he'd kept them safe with a little less flair, <laughs> galleys racing to a ship in the middle of the harbour by all the gods. Safe, whispered the Queen again, and he leaned over the bed to tuck the covers around her, which is adorable. But what I'm particularly interested in is yes, he allowed, they are safe, and your captain is a champion. How Talaeus is still your captain, hmm. even after the events of King of Atolia, like they still have kind of fundamentally different relationships.
1: I think we could also read that as not that he's so much at odds with Talaeus anymore because i I don't think he is, but just more that Atolia has a deeper connection with Talaeus. yeah, so I, I, I
0: would read that it brings us back to that um like watch my back, and I will keep her safe, right.
1: And even in the midst of all this recovery, Atolia is defending Talaeus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is a, a big deal. Also, he, the irony of Jen saying he wished that somebody did something <laughs> with a little less flair. And we also see
1: Costas and Kamet's arrival through a different lens. Um, Ferris narrates that the palace guard was exuberant to welcome Costas back, one of their own, and all of Atolia heard how uh Kamet rejected Melherit's offer to come back to your benevolent overlords. <laughs> which is, you know, it's not the only time Ferris makes a point that the entire country knows about Kamet and Costas and their journey and like the political significance, which is something that I I don't really feel like we got in Thickest Thieves, you know. You kinda got that it was I dunno, you just didn't get that it was quite on the radar that much. So I liked that about this.
0: Yeah. Like, the the camera pans out. It's so- it's such an interesting choice to have this not be one big book. I- what I would expect would be, like, an alternating thing. If they were making a TV show out of this, which allegedly they are, this would be all one scene. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't do it separately like this. Yeah. What do we lose or gain from having that physical separation- of the two different versions of the same scene. Like this was, there were years between Thick in Thieves and this book. So we saw the scene one way and then genuinely years later we saw it another way. And we learned new, like just a new layer of information. And Ferris forms really important or solidifies really important relationships in this chapter. He has a big turning point in his relationship with Jen. He befriends Kamet, which is huge. And he, we see the very beginning of his relationship with Relius, which is going to be really important to him.
1: Yeah, and Jen finally turns it around and says, saying, I lost my temper. I frightened you, and I am sorry for that. You might otherwise have come to me when Gerdius threatened you. I needed an Erendides that I can trust. I assumed it was you. I didn't ask you. No one has asked you if you wanted to be Erendides. I'm sorry for that, too. I am asking you now, shall we make a covenant, you and I, that I will trust you and you will trust me? Ferris agrees.
0: I was going to ask what goes into that decision and that turnaround for Jen, but I think a lot of it is this experience where Irene might be dying, and the only thing that saves her, or at least from the perspective of Jen's belief, is that Ferris is able to communicate this message to him. Mm-hmm. And so he realizes that he needs Ferris. And so we have again a situation where Jen's kind of like, his love and his kindness and his relationship building is also expedient. It's necessary. It's beneficial to his cause. And I mean, Ferris, like, this this decision is gonna be the linchpin for the war it's all coming together (laughs) (laughs) does the kindness come in pursuit of victory or does the victory come from the pursuit of kindness it's always that double motive always that double motive and in this case the angry violent decision is the emotional one which is not always the case with jen i mean i'm going down into the dungeons to indulge myself by pardoning a man by exercising mercy is uh is kind of a very different situation than okay the smart logical thing to do here is to set my ego aside and my impulse and my anger and be kind which i guess is a something of a through line in this book i mean he shouldn't have thrown that knife at that guy <laughs> but then he does i mean we're gonna see some serious violence from jen that is going to be very beneficial to him and his allies. But it is somewhat cold and emotionless. I mean, we'll get there. We're getting ahead of ourselves.
1: And uh, going back to Ferris building a relationship with Kamet, he senses a fellow feeling in Kamet that he calls an ever-present vulnerability temporarily lifted. An interesting phrasing. Yeah. And Kamet makes um, a codex scroll... For Ferris, after discovering that Ferris can, in fact, read a little bit, you know, he can he can recognize letters. So Kamet is also sensing a, a fellow feeling. He knows not to underestimate Ferris. Yeah. As he's
0: been underestimated his whole life. Kamet's hands were slim, carefully kept. The only marks on them those of ink and a callus from a pen. I liked this whole page with Kamet on it.
1: So funny how every beginning read of the new book I was like, oh, who's this new guy? I don't care about him. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: no. <laughs> I need him back. <laughs> There's a scene with Camet, and then Relius shows up. And man, I just I love the whole the rounding out of Relius in this book. Yeah. And how much more that we learn about him and how much more alive he is and how he mm-hmm. he really is so different than Certainly, I thought that he was. Mm-hmm. And this book—we've said this before, but it's—it's it's relevant here too. It's
1: also a little bit more rounded out with physical descriptions of people. Yes, it says here that Relius is very handsome, with distinguished
0: gray patches at his temples. He's a silver fox. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> chapter 7. Next time, more and we bomb a second navy. Send us your
1: comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.templar.com Be
0: blessed in your endeavors.
1: Amateur embroidery production, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google
0: Podcasts,
1: anywhere podcasts are available. And if our outro sound a little bit mixed, it's because we're no longer using a script. <laughs>
0: we're
1: just
0: press <laughs> fall every time. He's Jenny from the block